Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, I I have a message today that I want to help define for us what winning looks like. How many of you want to be winners? Just want to win. I mean, there's something inherent in us that whether you've thought about it or you haven't thought about it, consciously or unconsciously, you want to be a winner. If you've ever entered, entered your name in a raffle, if you've ever stood in a place of contest or competition in any way, you know that you want to be a winner and I want to encourage you today with the understanding that you are in a warfare you are in spiritual battle the devil has sought you that he could sift you as wheat and you are going to if you will listen to hearken your ear to and tune your heart to the word of the Lord you will emerge the victor in every situation but I want to help you today define what a win looks like because sometimes what a win actually is in the kingdom is contrary to what we think a win is in the natural mind and I I want to preface this message this morning with just letting you know that this is a message about finding the abundant life that only Christ can afford us and it's, it's a message for those who know the Lord, first of all. It's, it's a message for those of you who know the Lord, who are walking by faith. This is not to question your salvation this morning, but it's just asking if there are areas in your lives where you're not experiencing abundance and hopefully uh, finding some sort of answers for those places where we're not walking in abundance and victory. The second thing, point of this message is that this message is for those who don't know the Lord yet. Maybe you're just coming to church. Maybe you're returning to church. Maybe you're watching online today and it's, you know, just been a struggle for you. You're just searching for answers. And I just want to tell you today that we believe that we have the answers to all of life's issues and all of life's situations and all of life's problems. And it is as God has revealed himself to us through scripture. Not only do we find the pathway to peace and holiness, but we find out who we are in Christ Jesus. And we find out that in him we have been made more than conquerors. So I want to encourage you with that word today that if you'll just tune in here for just a minute, I want to share with you what it looks like to win. You know, there are so many that are are struggling with life. Struggling, burned out, living frustrated, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, and you're just caught in vicious cycles in several areas of our lives, and we have no joy, and we find no peace, and we are filled with strain and struggle, and we just constantly just feel like we're in some kind of a a, a rat race or hamster wheel, and we're just kind of hanging on day by day by day by day. But I want to tell you that's not the life that Jesus came for you to have he wants you to be full he wants you to be fulfilled he wants you to live satisfied 
And I'm here today to tell you that all of this strain, all of this struggle, all of this tension that's in your life, it's not necessary. Now, certainly, I'm aware of all of the troubles in the world. I I know that there's an impending crisis that's waiting around every corner. I know that, you know, there are strains in relationships, and I am aware of all of the uncertainties that are associated with this life in almost every aspect of living. But I also know that there's a peace available to the hearts of those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that surpasses all understanding. You say, Pastor, I've heard people talk about peace that passes all understanding all my life, but I never really know what what does that mean anyway? That means you understand all of the trouble and adversity that this life affords, but there's a peace inside of you that surpasses all of that. There's a peace inside of you that walks in the calm assurance of knowing that you are loved by the King and that His Word is true in your life and you will never be forsaken and you will never be found begging bread and He will supply your every need according to his riches and glory yea though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death you will have no need to fear evil because he will be with you there's a there's there's a joy that's inexpressible that's full of glory And and there's a place of victory wherein you might abide even in the darkest night and the most turbulent of storms And, you know, it's not unusual for kingdom principle to sound counter to natural instinct. And today's message is going to be no different. Today's topic, as we cover, it's going to be no different. We're going to be talking about things that, you know, when we begin to get down to the crux of the matter, there's going to be parts of your inner man that is going to rise up there's going to be parts of your natural being that's just going to be repulsed even by what we talk about because it just seems so contrary to the natural way here let me illustrate it for you not to get you all flustered or anything but i want you to think about somebody who has hurt you the most in this life your deepest pain, your deepest disappointment as it relates to another human being. Think about that for just a moment. You got it? You got it? I mean, we don't have to be all saintly here this morning. You got it? You got some mess. You got some junk, right? And that, that, that's some of it. And you've got that thing in mind right now, okay? Now I want you to think about how the Word admonishes us that we're to forgive them in the same way that Christ has forgiven us. Now, doesn't something just inside of you just absolutely cringe at the thought of that? There's there's something about our natural being. We don't want to let go of it. We don't want to give it to God. We don't want to release it. We don't want to release that person from the injustices that they've perpetrated against us. We want to hang on to it. We, we We want vindication. We don't, we're not worried about forgiveness and, and reckon, we want vindication because in our minds that's what a win looks like. That's how we measure the wins. And today as we're talking about these things, I'm going to say things to you that I promise in no way sounds like what you want to hear and in no way maybe even seems logical according to human nature. It may cause you to bow up, it may cause you to recoil, but it does not negate the truth of the principle. 
And while today's message may sound like defeat, if we apply it to our lives, it's going to lead us to places of great, great victory. And the truth is that if you and I learn to live our lives ordered according to the counsels of Scripture, we will walk in new places of abundance that we have never known before. We will walk above the noise and the turbulence of this life. Have you ever seen somebody, they just seem so unshakable it's like stuff's going on all around them and they're okay they they there is no chicken little complex about them at all the sky is not falling god is still on the throne and yes there's trouble around but i'm okay you know people like that how many of you would like to be people like that right because I've got to tell you, sometimes I am, but not always. But with a greater consistency, at least, I think we would all like to be like that. Right? And that's what we're going to help with today. And, and one of the ways to do that is by distinguishing between the heart's longing and carnality's demands. And, and before I proceed any further, I want to I make a clarification in terms just so that nobody's lost on what we're talking about here this morning. You, you are comprised of several beings. I'm not saying you're schizophrenic or anything. I'm just saying that, that in you there's a, a dichotomy, trichotomy, however you want to work that out, of person. Number one, there's your natural man. There's, there's your natural being that is the package that holds everything else. It's your body. It's, it's, the, it's what God has knit together in your mother's womb. And, and it's the part of you that expresses itself. It's the part of you that gets up and moves around. And, and there's all those things. And, and, you know, inherently in that, there's nothing bad because that is God's creation that is in his likeness and in his similitude that he is, he is blessed and ordained. But then, there's also your carnal self. That is, the, that is the will and the spirit in you that is according to the fallen Adamic nature, marred by sin and broken. It is the thought and the intent of your heart that has not been regenerated by the word of the Lord and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that part of you that wants what you want. And nothing else will do. And then there's your spiritual self. That that true part at the core of you that bears the image of God that longs to be fulfilled and longs for for things and and here's the thing this is what's going on inside of us our carnality let me let me stop how many of you believe that God has great things in store for you you, you just you believe that God has great things in store for you Jeremiah 29 11 is posted on your refrigerator you've got a bumper sticker you've got you know it's on your bathroom mirror you've got it everywhere you can see it to remind you that God has a great big plan for your life you believe that right God wants to bless you God wants to multiply you God wants to favor you and you just you know that that is the truth and you stand and you walk in that truth 
there is a part of us that is at war against what God wants to do in our lives. That's our carnal man. That's our carnal nature, that broken part of us. God wants to do amazing things in our lives, but we find in Romans chapter 8 that the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome and he says this, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Isn't that what we're going after this morning? In other words, here you see, you see the contest already set up. You see the struggle that's already there. To be carnally minded is death. But if we let the spiritual part of us rule, then that's going to lead us to life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now I want to tell you something. Sometimes people get this mixed up, especially when we talk about worship. Okay? Because people will come to church and they'll, they'll stand, hands droop by their side... And, and they don't worship the Lord. There's no animation about them at all. We're singing songs about resurrection and life, and they look like they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And it, it's, it's innocent enough, I understand this, because they'll say, well, I don't, you know, I don't feel moved or I don't feel motivated or whatever to, to raise my hands, to worship, to sing, whatever it is, and I don't want to be in the flesh. That's not what is being spoken of when we're... A physical activity is not what's being spoken of when we hear the Bible refer to things being done in the flesh. It's, it's not your physical activity, your physical motion that is in the flesh. It's that carnal mind. It's that carnal spirit. Let me tell you something. When you look over on Sunday morning... Pastor Lisa and myself are standing here, hands up raised, singing, clapping, praising God. It ain't always because we feel like it. When you see one of us standing here delivering the word, passionately delivering the word, we're not pretending, we're not putting on, but it ain't always because we feel like it. But it's because God has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of glory. He is worthy that we walk in his calling with passion and fervor, whether we feel like it or not. And, and when, we, when we read these words here, that he was in the flesh. That means the, the person that is being ruled by their carnal mind. Being ruled by that carnal spirit that is at enmity against the very principles of the kingdom of God. That person, Paul says, that person cannot please God. So we've got to begin to learn how to distinguish between the, the heart's longing and carnality's demands because your carnality, and we're going to get to it in a minute, demands things of you that are laborious. But our spiritual self, there, there's, a, there's a spirit man in us that is longing for God. 
whether you recognize it or not, there is something in you seeking and searching to satisfy the deep longings within you that can only be fulfilled and satisfied by the presence of God. As a matter of fact, the psalmist recognizes this, and he says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? How can I find the presence of God? Because I'm hungry for God. In our hearts, there's a longing for God. In our hearts, there's a yearn to find that kind of peace that Jesus spoke of when he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We often forsake those longings, those spiritual longings, because of the emotion of our carnal man that is screaming to have its demands fulfilled. And it does. And where a lot of us live as human beings, and I deal with it too, is that we spend most of our lives addressing tensions brought about by the demands of the carnal nature. Your carnality is a harsh taskmaster. Our, our, our carnal nature has necessities that are required for it to survive. And with that being said, I want to mention to you that what you feed thrives and what you starve dies. And if you feed your carnality, it will thrive. And in feeding your carnality, you are starving spiritually. And the reverse of that is true. That if you are, are pursuant of the things of God, if you are trying with all that's in you to run after God, to go after him with a whole heart, then you're not going to have time to address the needs of your carnal man. As a matter of fact, often in the word, especially in the writings of Paul, we are instructed to crucify the flesh. That doesn't mean that we take this physical body to a place of mutilation or, or self-destruction. It simply means that carnal mind that is in enmity with God is laid on the altar before God and dealt with thoroughly until it no longer rules and reigns in our lives. We're, Paul says, mortify the deeds of the flesh, the wrath, the malice, the lust, all those things. They, they need to die. They need to perish. Because the things, they, they, our, our carnal nature, honestly, for the most part, is very needy. It demands a draining amount of energy from us. It exhausts any margin of time in which you and I have to address our spiritual well-being. Carnal desires pitted against spiritual hunger equals tension. See, and I want you to see, as I'm talking about these things, I'm going to give you a few illustrations here of places where we live in the tension of addressing our carnality and satisfying its lusts and its needs. And just see, it's, it's rhetorical. I don't need a show of hands, but just to set your thoughts here this morning, just see if any of this resonates with you, okay? Here's the thing. We... 
our carnality demands that we acquire things so that we can uphold appearances. And we spend a large part of the balance of our lives, nothing wrong with things. I mean, there are, there are necessary resources for the gospel to go forward. Amen? This is not bashing things time. But I'm just saying, there's a, there's a part of us, there's a, there's a carnality about us, though, that we feel like it's, it's not just to walk in the blessing of God, but it's to, it's to show everybody else what we've got. And to keep the appearances, that's, that's birth out of our carnal nature. What about how that we constantly have to deal with our hurt feelings and we're over, unable to ever overcome past hurt and move forward? Why? Because pride is an integral part of our carnal nature. Pride is an integral part of our carnal nature, and pride is easily offended, and pride is very, very fragile. Pride is very fragile, and pride has a lot of needs. Your ego is a needy creature. It, just, it has a lot of demands. It has a lot of needs. You know, it's, it's our carnal nature that insists that we win arguments. Our carnal nature wants to be right more than it wants reconciliation. It's, it's I want to be right. I want to be right. I, I want to be right. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I want to be right. How many of you want to be right? Because we know in addressing the concerns of life sometimes it's going to lead us into pathways where we're going to have inter inter interactions and exchanges with other people that aren't going to be, have favorable outcomes because we know we want to be right and we know they want to be right and we know that we're just going to argue back and forth about it. Therefore, we never address the tensions and we, never, we just walk in suspicion about other people around us. That's all fruit of our carnal nature. We live and we strive and we strain to gain affirmation and, and the notoriety of other people because our carnal man starves for somebody else to notice us and for somebody else to accept us. But that carnal man needs to die. You know, dying has some interesting effects on the human life. Dying, dying has some interesting effects, I mean, ob aside from the obvious. But I mean, just the very thought of our own mortality, it changes things in us, doesn't it? You ever find yourself, maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe sometime you've ever been and you've received a diagnosis and, and it was less than favorable and you began thinking about, you know, end-of-life issues and things like that. Didn't it, if you've ever been in that situation, did it not change your perspective? It changes the way we look, about, uh, look at things. It changes the way we assess situations. It changes so much about our experience. And that carnal man needs to die because life changes when we're confronted with our own mortality. To be able to recognize that we are dying is in some senses frightening, but in other ways it's liberating. It's, it's liberating because things that 
probably shouldn't have mattered as much probably don't matter at all anymore. You know, suddenly we don't care what others are thinking about us. Suddenly you're not concerned about keeping up appearances. Suddenly you're not interested in winning arguments. You don't want to just be right now. You want to be reconciled. Hard feelings are released. Grudges begin to crumble. And things that should have mattered all along now are suddenly brought into a greater focus. Bring that family around and let me love on them. Don't don't worry about all the peripheral things of this life, but let me focus on the spiritual because I understand that it's not going to profit me anything if I gain the whole world but lose my soul. And again, what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual as well. In the New Testament, as we said earlier, Paul often speaks of dying to self and dying to the carnal nature. In other words, not allowing that carnality to rule, but putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And John the Baptist said it best when he said this. Listen. And this is where it just begins to grate against the grain of our our natural being. But John said of Jesus, he must increase. And I must decrease. I must decrease. I, I can remember just a little while back, I was, I was in, you know, you just go through seasons where just like the Lord is blessing and, and God's moving spiritually and you're just like walking in the overflow. And I, I, it, was a, it was a particularly tense kind of situation and and I was, I was in a praise and worship service, much like we were this morning, and just there and just worshiping the Lord and just felt such a freedom and a liberty in that, even in the midst of the tension. And, and, and I, I just, I began to even question God and say, God, why am I so okay with this? And, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke back to me and said, you're okay with this because you're dying. You're dying. And I, I want, this, is, this is where the difficulty is, church, because nothing about you, your, even your carnal man, your, your natural being, finds death appealing. But inasmuch as we are dying to self so that Christ can be increased in us, and then living is no longer about building up our own kingdom, but it's about glorifying God in and through our lives. I'm telling you today, church, that is where real life and real living begins to take place. When it's no longer about me, but it's all about Him. And it may sound contrary, but if you really want to win, you have to stop living to satisfy the desires of your carnality, crucify the flesh, and live for Christ. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and he says this, Philippians 1:21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's a couple of things real quickly I want to point out to you here about this thing. The only thing that's changing in this verse is Paul's physical state. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
If we, if we are living lives like Paul wrote to the Galatian church and says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ in me. In other words, I've mortified, I've put to death spiritually these carnal desires. I have yielded fully and wholly to Christ. He is the Lord of my life, not just the object of my profession of faith. But he is practically... Sometimes, you know, we, we just need a practical faith, right? I mean, one that we actually walk in and engage in and, and live by. And Paul says, I've, I've, I've crucified the flesh, I've mortified the deeds thereof, and I'm now living, everything I do is for God's glory. And, and when we reach that place, that's where Paul says here, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. So the only, the only thing that changes in this is the physical state. But the, but the spirit of the man continues on. Like, I'm living in the glory and the presence of God now. I'm going to be transitioned to the presence of God literally. If I die, the only thing that's going to change here is my physical state. And it assumes the death of the carnal nature. And there comes a point in our lives, people of God, where we have got to consider the words of Jesus when he asked, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We've got to consider that in all of life's situations. Every, everything that you face, every trial, every adversity, every hardship, every bit of schism in your relationships, everything that, that tries to bring difficulty towards you, you've got to stop and reckon there for a moment and say, now wait a minute, what am I going to gain if according to my natural thought I win in this situation? Is it worth the struggle? Is it worth the strain? Or is it just going to bring a bunch of hardship and heartache and strain and struggle into my life? And if the answer to that is yes, then you've got to say, does it do anything to get me closer to Jesus? Does it do anything to propel me towards a deeper walk with him? And if the answer is no, then we've got to reckon then that that is born of the carnal desire and it needs to be taken to an altar and laid before God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there's any unclean thing in me, anything that's seeking to glorify the flesh before it brings honor and glory to you and purge me. Because only the things done to glorify God in this life will ever matter. Those are the only things that are ever going to matter. And we've got to lay all those things that are not nurturing on the altar, all those things that are not glorifying to God, lay them on the altar. And when we're able to take an account, we need to be able to look at it as Paul wrote to the Roman church and say that we reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul continues here and says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
And here's the result of that. If we will live, it's not my thought. It's not something that was in a self-help book or a how-to seminar. It comes directly from the pages of Scripture, the same word that Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. This same word. And if we can come to that place, let me tell you what the result of that is. We'll live with less anger and less frustration, less depression, less anxiety, less regret, all of those things that we stay so bound up in most of the time because we're trying to satisfy our own carnality. But once we die to self, we live with less of those things and we live with more of this. More fulfillment. More contentment. You know, it's at the conclusion, it's, it's interesting that Paul here in the first chapter says, hey, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. By the close of the book, Paul is instructing the people and saying, hey, you know what? I, I know what it's like to have plenty. And I know what it's like to not have so much. But I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. And when we learn to die to self and to live for Christ fully, real, wholeheartedly, then we're going to find that that's true in our lives as well. That we're more easily contented. That we're satisfied that we have a manifestation of kingdom principles in our lives. We, we then know and we can begin to practice seeking first the kingdom of God, trusting that all these things are going to be added to us. We can, we can pray for those who use us and speak all manner of evil against us. We can even love as Christ has loved. We'll manifest more of the fruit of the Spirit. You say, what's that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And I want to tell you something today, church, in conclusion, and you can stand. Ultimately, we, we define peace in so many situations and, and, and so many terms and conditions. We, we have in our minds what is necessary for us to know and walk in peace. Some of you right now, you're thinking to yourself, man, if only... You know, if, if, if only this situation would work out this way, or if only, you know, I could gain or attain or aspire to, if only I could get to this point in my life then. You know, I just, I feel like I would know true peace and I would just, I'm tired. And I'm weary from straining and struggling and pushing and I, I want to just encourage you today that if we could get to that place 
of not trying to figure it all out and not trying to assign it all, but just simply saying, God, you know what? In simple, childlike faith today, I want to come in obedience to your word that says I'm to crucify the flesh or that carnal nature. I'm to put it to death and allow you to rule and reign truly in my life and to live holy for you, realizing that I am not the issue to start with. You're the real deal. You're the real thing. And I'm just going to live to exalt you in my life and to lift you up and to bring you glory, to bring you praise. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And ultimately, you'll be living in a freedom that otherwise you wouldn't experience. You'll be walking in a peace that otherwise you wouldn't have known. But we've got to surrender. Dying. Dying to self. That's how we define the win. Not, not how many affirmations I have in this life, not how many arguments I can win, not how much stuff I can get, but how fully am I surrendered to Christ? Because that is where the real win comes. And you will find him doing things in your life that you could never do for yourself. In a, he can do it in an instant where you couldn't do it in a decade of straining, a lifetime of straining. And you know, basically what I'm sharing with you here this morning is the extended version of the old adage that you've heard all your lives. To let go and let God. To live and surrender. Just complete abandonment of self and say, God, you know what? This is not about me. This, I'm walking into this situation. God, I feel tension in my heart. I, I feel tension in my spirit. But God, I'm walking into this situation. I realize that this situation is not even about me. This is about me representing you here to these people around me. Give me peace. Give me joy. And he will. He will. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of, of trying time, he will. So today as we close this time of worship together this morning, those of you that are watching online, I encourage you, every head bowed, every eye closed here in the house. And I simply want to ask you today, are there those among us today that would say, Pastor, I, I have only ever lived for me. I don't know any other way, but I, I feel such a tension in my heart and in my spirit, and I've, I've just, there's something in me that's crying out for something more. I want to tell you today that the something more is to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and to walk faithfully with him through this life. And if you're here today and that's you, and you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I want to start that new life today. Or if you're watching online, you would just throw up a hand emoji in the chat. Whatever it is, we want to pray with you. And we want to believe, God, that, that today is a day of transition and change for you. You're going to begin a brand new direction. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.